to confer to my wonderful editor Nicola and her boyfriend Kieran. Thanks for coming to set up, guys. Welcome to the Neil and Nile podcast. This feels good. We've been talking about this a long time. Number one, Dad. Number one. Number one. I'm Nile Wilson. I'm Neil Raymond Wilson. You missed out your middle name. I thought we were doing middle names. Okay, Nile Michael Wilson. Why did you put Mike? Why did you pick Michael? Uh, well, I like George Michael, uh, so that's why I chose it. But Mum will tell you it was after her father, so it was after your would have been grandfather, who sadly passed away forty years ago. Wow, oh, I I like George Michael better. Yeah. Um, so, guys, subscribe to the channel. Number one, we're very very excited. We've built this podcast room just for your pleasure, for our pleasure. We're going to get incredible guests on up into the future, and this is a way for us to be raw. I am now Wilson, an athlete, an Olympian. And a YouTuber. What are you laughing at already? Be <laughs> laughing at the raw bit. Do we have any rules? Do I have to put my hand up when I want to speak? What, no, that? Dad, you can speak. You can interrupt me if you'd like. Right, okay. But you'd probably get a lot of hate for that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't obviously see what goes on behind the scenes as an athlete, as a YouTuber, as a vlogger, as a businessman. This is a way for us to be completely authentic, transparent, be ourselves and tell you some incredible stories. And I think today we're going to start off with my story, slightly our story, yours from a parent perspective, maybe the last five years. And uh, we're going to go into mainly a little bit what's been going on recently. I've just had neck surgery. Um, so been a very challenging time physically and mentally. And we've got some amazing value to provide. And what is the ethos of the podcast, Dad? The ethos of a podcast. Of yeah. our podcast. Oh, the ethos. No. The, oh, the ethos of our podcast. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, the ethos the of line. our podcast. The line, say the line. I'm going to say the line. I've got, I've got the line. Give me a minute to say the line. The ethos of our podcast is to engage, inspire, and put a smile on your face every day. Every day. Is that right? That's perfect. I just want to go to the story thing as well, because when we were having a chat about doing the first uh, podcast, there are so many stories that we want to talk about, because we've been chatting for two three, four weeks, haven't we, about actually doing this since I was in this room on my hands and knees laying these carpet tiles. Yeah, so I got, I got knee abrasions, I had cuts everywhere, and then doing all these shelving and cut my fingers and everything. We've been talking about where... What are you at? We were talking about where we were going to start and what we were going to start with. So we kind of said we this would be... The reason I was laughing at the word raw was this would be Niall Wilson raw. <laughs> raw, raw. We need a raw thing. Right? Press one of these buttons and make it go raw. Good morning. No, it's good morning. We need good, a good raw. morning. We'll we'll add a raw to the sound bites for the next episode. Okay. Um, so where should we start? Well, I think we should start with, um, and and there will be an, a natural sequence of events, and also that sequence of events will include certain things that we both want to talk about. I. Uh, thought for this podcast we would start post junior Europeans, not the first one, the second one in Sofia, mm -hmm. coming out of the back of that. That that was an, an amazing place to visit Sofia because there were some of the weirdest things there. Um, you know, from a parent perspective, being a spectator and following you over there. There was a woman in the market selling stinging nettles. <laughs> True stuff to eat I or what? Well, I don't know what you do with them when you buy them, but I've got loads of stinging nettles in my garden. I could have gone in the stinging nettle business. I didn't know they were like a marketable kind of quantity that people like. Just buy. like fully, just live stinging nettles. All stinging nettles. I picked one up, stung my fingers. Said to Sally, "They're stinging nettles." She said to me, "You silly sod." And there were stinging nettles. Anyway, 
Um, so the, not the first Europeans, the second Europeans, when you want five gold medals and become... Uh, I've just banged the table. Yeah, be careful. Echo <laughs> right. through the mic. <laughs> He's already ruined the There's, first the podcast. The sound team are looking at me going, oh, no, 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 don't bang. Um, when, you know, winning five gold medals at, uh, at that championship, she became the most successful junior European <clears> gymnast <throat> of all time. Now, I didn't actually know that. And, and where I found that, out, found that out was after the, the competition had finished. I, I bumped into Dan Keating's mum and dad. So yeah. they were walking out of the arena. I wish I could remember the names. I should have looked that up. I can't. Lo- lovely, lovely. Robin Kate. Robin Kate, yeah. Uh, and they, they said to me, Niall, Niall is now uh, the most successful junior European gymnast. It's because, it's because I overtake, yeah. overtook Dan Dinasso. Yeah. Dan, uh, four years, it might have been no, 2008. He was six years previous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he believed he got four gold and a silver. Or four yeah. gold and a bronze or something. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I made history yeah. of that that event. It'd be great I'd... to get Dan Keynes on here. Yeah, hundred percent. Howdy, which camera? <laughs> that one. Dan Keynes, we're coming for you. Um, yeah, we're gonna definitely gonna get all the gymnast boys on. Yeah, so that that I was just turned eighteen years old. Yes, two thousand and fourteen. I'm now twenty three, so it's five years. And we want to kind math. of good at math. Yeah, quick so. math, <laughs> quick math, math. Yes, and we um post that so off the back of that competition I'd become the most successful junior um, gymnast in Britain and then your transition to a senior gymnast is is quite a challenging thing sometimes not many have had smooth transitions because basically to break through to the team is, is challenging itself but you go from doing eight elements in a routine to ten yeah. so it's a lot more challenging on your body and then to compete with the, the senior gymnast that it's just open age. So from 18, you know, the, the kids turning 18 now are competing against myself, who's had five years experience. So it is quite a challenging um, process. However, off the back of the Europeans becoming junior European champion, it was an incredible story. I remember sat at the airport on the way home from the, the Europeans. I sat down with the head national coach and the head judge actually at the time. And they said, right now, you're going to go at the Commonwealth Games. This is at the airport on the way home. There was there was months. There was two months to Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. You know now eighteen. I'm eighteen, so it's the same. Yeah, I've just come off the back of that that competition. He said you are going to go to Commonwealth Games. It's an incredible story. The junior European champion moving up into the senior ranks, and and then the path after that, we plan to take you to the World Championships as a reserve in China. So we had Commonwealth Games with World Championships left, and you know, to get the experience. And we think you've done fantastically well. We'll see how you perform. So it was all up in the air. And I was getting thrown at the deep end because my first senior competition was the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, which is a multi-sport event. I was on television every day for five days in an arena full of 15,000 people. So a way to break me in. And long story short, I absolutely smashed it. You know, handled the pressure so well, which we'll talk about how I deal with that. And then the the turn of events, obviously Sam Oldham had his um, tragic injury at the Commonwealth Games, so yeah, yeah. that was one place out of the World Championships. After the back of the off the back of the Commonwealth Games, they said you are now competing in the World Championships, which initially said you're going to go as a reserve. Again, long story short, at 18, I made the World High Bar. Well, I made the World All Round Final, um, Team Final, and High Bar Final. Um, I had a wrist injury at the time, and then. As you know, we came. I came fourth in the high bar at eighteen. So that yeah. whole year was kind of my rocket year in the gymnastic scene, and I think it's hard to 
breaking. It's very subjective. I don't want to go into too much detail, but you are being judged by human beings and it's it's political, like any other sport, but you you almost have to break through and make a name for yourself in the sport sometimes before you get the results, if that makes sense. Because initially, already, Niall Wilson, with the achievements I have now, stepping up on the high bar, already in the heads, the, the judges subconsciously assume this is going to be a good routine. Therefore, potentially, Mark, you hire. Um, obviously, still got to do an incredible gym. But versus Niall Wilson, who's never been seen before, there's, there's a mixed match. So I feel like my breakthrough to make a name for myself in the senior gymnastics world was perfect. Yeah. I did, there's so much to talk about there because I, you know, touching on the judge, the ju- we could do a full podcast about judging and, and no so. no way do I want to um, talk negatively about uh, it's such an amazing sport. But the, the interesting thing about gymnastics from a judging perspective is it's six human beings' opinion on what, another human being has done versus yeah. so if you think other sports it's perhaps a really bad analogy but if you play football the goal that scores the most the goal the team that scores the most goals wins yeah it's so, clear so, cut the one who crosses the line first finishes yeah, you know all it, that stuff so but just I, I just want to get just before we move on in Sofia um, we were with your head national coach and uh, we were in the piano bar at the hotel that you were saying that around the corner do you remember yeah, that I remember, hotel? Yeah. and uh, I'd had a a couple of pints because you know when you're competing I like to um, really I really <laughs> like to del- you know really immerse myself in the local culture and the the, large the del- local culture the local culture just the local culture the local culture was strap strapart stra- I don't know we call it strap on strap on I know strap-on. I know which beer you mean so I but was, dad, this by the way dad if I'm competing at 7 p.m. He has to have beers in the lead up to the competition. Yeah. If I'm competing at eight AM, he has to have beers. In yeah, the lead up and to I the find it helps to start about four or five hours before. So you know, <laughs> you, you got you got to really immerse. So so we were having a, a few bit, and he he said to us, "Now's going to go to the Commonwealth Games." So, um, your mum started crying. I don't know. I don't know if she actually did, but I we me and your mum were like rabbits in headlights because. To that point, we'd just been doing junior gymnastics, and all of a sudden, you were going to go to the Commonwealth Games, which you you did. So, and I I've always found um, throughout your career, building from junior into senior, nothing's ever done until it's signed, sealed, delivered. Until you get the letter that says you're on the plane, or until you get the note that says you're in the squad. Sally and I, uh, rightly or wrongly, never planned to go anywhere till we knew you were stepping on the plane. Because there's so many variables, mm-hmm. you know, so many so many things can happen in their journey as they have yeah. more recently. So things could change. So until you're stepping on the plane, we don't go. But the, the Commonwealth Games, the thing I was going to talk about, I don't know what you're going to talk about next, but the Commonwealth Games, um, a bit for me as well was, do you remember when uh, you'd competed in the arena, which I think held 12,000 people, which completely blew our mind, because we'd gone from junior Europeans having... Let's yeah. be honest, six, seven hundred people. Yeah. Um to fifteen thousand. And and tact I don't know if it was tactically, but it was the right thing to do. Uh the, the Commonwealth event, they put England and Scotland together in the qualification, didn't they? Yeah. Which was just amazing because the atmosphere was electric. Was unbelievable. And we were told in the build up to it, even with you, you know, your Lewis's, your Christians, your Sam Oldham's, you all these massive names in the sport who were legends of the sport. Uh, Niles up first on floor. 
first competitor. <laughs> so I found that I had to actually start my beer drinking seven hours before that. <laughs> so so, I, I, so obviously I'm stood here, so this is from my perspective. I've never experienced anything like this before. Um, pressurised environments, enormity. I just remember him, I think they called out Scotland. Did they call out England? No, I think they called out England first. England first, yeah. So they, they go, please welcome Team England. And the whole Hydro Arena just erupted. Yeah. So I'm walking out, I've got goosebumps. Well, I've got goosebumps thinking about it now. Down my back thinking, oh my God. Um, scratching your arm as well. Uh, we'll talk about the vest in a minute. Go on, carry on. You've got all these. <laughs> so I, I'm, I can't really, I can't compare what's going on. Then they announced Scotland, and that was mental. <laughs> like, I came on, nearly fell on the floor. Scotland, <laughs> let's go, let's go, Sonny. Um, mad, wasn't it? They're absolutely insane. And I remember getting on the floor to warm up. Now floor's in the center of the whole arena, yeah. and I was doing my warm up, and and uh, I remember Scott Hand, Max Whitlock's coach. He came over at me and he was like, you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> fine. You could tell you were fine with the way you said that. Fine. I'm fine. I was pale white, like drip white. I didn't feel sick or anything. I just, I didn't know how to take in the enormity of what was happening well, how did right you in feel? that moment. What were the feelings? Well, it was like, I, I felt a bit panicky, a, a little bit. So that's probably why I was white. I was trying to control my breathing. You always say, remember your breathing. Yeah. Just, just take it slow. I was trying not to, I don't say trying not to, I was thinking about my gymnastics and how well I knew I could do the gymnastics and blocking out 15,000 people, screaming, the the pressure of the event, everything that it was. Um, but yeah, I remember Scott saying to me after, he's like, you look like you were going to vomit straight all over the new, brand new floor at the Commonwealth Games. And I went up, smashed my routine and... And if you remember, it was funny because they only did three apparatus per day on those two team, those two team days. So it was kind of strange. You kind of got into your groove, and then you had to yeah. stop and then restart. It's a different experience. But I'll never, I'll never forget that moment of walking out and again an overview of the whole games. I smashed every routine. I had no mistakes. I think I'd, obviously the team final. I did an all round final on the Wednesday, which. Against all odds, managed to get the bronze behind Dan Keatons and Max Whitlock. And let's like, say you had the, the names that were there Dan Purvis, yeah. Sam Oldham, Frank Baines. It was kind of just a whirlwind for all of us. We, we, you know, I did it, I performed. Um, and I think that was the moment when Niall Wilson, the senior gymnast, was born. And, and I think that week led to the success today because I, th I think it can go one or two ways you yeah. know, how you handle that sort of pressure and then it showed in other gymnasts the way that they handled it you remember it. when we went just going back again uh, what were the two things that I always said to you remember your breathing remember your breathing what was the second one before a comp yeah remember your breathing you know you used to no, say I you remember your breathing yeah but what else did you well, say you used to say have fun smile oh, right. it was a variation on have fun enjoy it I just remember I always remember you'd, you'd say remember your breathing and yeah, the similar. Right. But I always remember you said, "Did you after the competition? Did you enjoy it? It well, wasn't yeah. about regards to results. I just got, you know, multiple yeah, Commonwealth yeah. gold medals. You, you always ask me, did I enjoy it? Did you enjoy it? Because that, that's a bunch of points. Because there, there's a, there's a whole conversation around that. But I always used to say to you from a young age, remember your breathing, because a a guy that I used to play golf with who was a studying psychologist, he was going on. I think he 
he passed his degree and he, he was in, I, I don't know what you call it, right? I don't want to say something that's wrong in terms of that. But anyway, he, he said to me, what are you laughing at? <laughs> he said, rambling this on. This is true story. He said to me, um, we were talking about flying because I was always scared of flying. And one of the challenges with, with flying is um, you don't breathe properly so it increases your heart rate. This is what he told me. And if your heart rate goes up, that's what creates like lots and lots of anxiety because of the way you're feeling. And he said one of the ways, not the way, is to breathe slowly and just think about your breathing. So that's why I used to say that to you. Yeah. And, and <coughs> I was, you know, as, as your father, and your mum will say, say this as well, um, we, did, we didn't know anything about gymnastics, the moves, the numbers. The, I mean, a little bit. We're a little bit informed. Not, to say we didn't know anything is, is probably wrong. But the most important thing to me was you were having fun because I know when you're having fun, you are at your best. Yeah. And those fit, those... Those feeling, those emotional feelings, which we'll talk about either today or another time, are the things that drive your performance every single time, aren't they? Yeah. We've spoken about it before. But the, the one thing before you start again was, do you remember when, when we went, we tried to go out for a meal in St. George's Square in that Italian restaurant? Yeah. I can't remember what it was called. I want to say like Franco's or, or something. I've probably got that wrong. Um, and we'd gone from junior Europeans, four, five hundred people, most successful junior gymnasts, You'd competed in the Commonwealth. You'd done everything by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We was on BBC live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. every single and day. And that program that we went to on a night, that the events show. Yeah, anyway. it was just yeah. And as uh, we went, so two good friends of ours, Mark and Lisa, uh, who Lisa's commentator in the sport, very very good friends. We said we'll catch up and we'll go from here. And we, we went from here in that restaurant with you, didn't we? And it, it was like. A One Direction concert. It was just stupid. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm reading a book called The Tipping Point. Right? Mm. It's your book. I found it in your room when I'm clearing it out. So we've got rid of all your stuff now. You're gone. <laughs> Sold it all. Carboon. Yeah, so. Thanks, Dad. Um, it, that was like that was the you click your fingers like that. That was the that was the tipping point because we couldn't have a meal because everybody in the restaurant wanted to photograph with you. Yeah. And everybody walking down the street wanted to photograph with you. And you said to me, "Oh, Dad, I'm, I'm going to have to go back to the home." How were you feeling then when all because you, you like you put your hood up and you said I'm off back to the hotel? Well, it was so strange. It, it, it's kind of a you never really think about that that kind of thing whilst you're involved because all my thought was just to be, do the best at the competition, be the best gymnast I can be. And then I remember that week was absolutely insane. So I went from these numbers are crazy by the way. I went from two and a half thousand Instagram followers to comprehend that. Um, with what it is today, to about 13,000, 14,000. Oh, I got three times that now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was massive, wasn't it? But over, over like five days, so like at one point I had to, I had to, um, I had to disable all notifications on my phone because I remember getting on the bus back from the hotel, uh, back to the hotel from the arena. My phone went from 75% to, to, to dead in about 10 minutes because... You know, back in the day when you didn't have many followers, you, you, had, you had the notification turned on, so every like that you got, every follow that you got. Yeah, yeah. So my phone was going, bing, 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 just with followers, and it was do absolutely that, insane. That again. <laughs> we need to record that as a, one of these buttons here, these thingies, these bouncers. Good morning! That's it. <laughs> so I remember that same day, me, Christian, Max, we woke up, and it was it was all over. At this point, we were just celebrating, and it was absolutely crazy. I remember the first night out was just, it was just mad. And we, we was like, oh, should, what should we do today? Should we go shopping in town? And I knew I was going to come meet you. Yeah. And we we got on the train from the village to the centre of Glasgow. As we stepped off the tube, so there's a there's a platform full of hun, 
150, 200 people, as we stepped off, the whole platform just started clapping and cheering. Really? Wow. Like going absolutely mental. And we were just like, oh my gosh. It was... It was you like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's me. And it was incredible, exciting, overwhelming, all these emotions of... It was great getting the attention, being recognised for what you did. Kind of a, a crazy feeling to think it, it was, you know, it was like for a, for a split second. Because you don't remember, it's very. It's I'm going to use the word again. It's raw. It's been on TV. Oh. It's been on TV every day. Everyone's watching the Commonwealth Games. Everyone in Scotland's getting behind it. So the Saturday after we compete, when it's the first thing, things like that are going to happen. But it's very quickly after that that people forget. Yeah. You know, and it's it's moved on, and it's and everyone gets on with normal life. And I think that was the first time as well, which we'll dive into a little bit in the podcast of experiencing what they call like a come down. You know, athletes come down, but you get it after the Olympics, after major games, because you are just on peak experience, cloud nine for a period of time, and then particularly when you have success in a competition like we did. I was only eighteen, and then off the back of that, we go out partying. We feel like. I feel, well, I am famous in that moment. Everyone knows who I am. Everyone's just watching me on TV. Everyone's congratulating me. We're getting free everything, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, three days later, you go home and you just sat in the kitchen again and every, and you go to work yeah. and mum goes to work and then I've got to go after back to the she, gym. Mum goes to work after she's given you your list of jobs that you've yeah, done, after she, do. Well, I've got to fill the and empty the dishwasher. Yeah, so, well, that, but that's like, it's mind-boggling unless you've experienced that. It's, it's similar to holiday blues, you know, when you, you're away for a week, yeah, two yeah. weeks, and you're having a great time, then you yeah. come home back to normal life reality. But times it by 10, because there's no feeling like it. And I remember off the back of the Commonwealth, so I was I was meant to be going to Cavos on her. Yeah. So I booked a lad's holiday, first lad's holiday, 18, just turned yeah. 18, we're all going away. And then obviously, like like we mentioned, the story was, I would be going to the World Championships now. So my coaches, yourselves, my manager at the time, you were all saying, Niall, you cannot go to Cabos. Like, I know it's yeah, it hard almost, right now. It was almost a three-in-line wit, wasn't it? it was a, it's different now as you've moved on, but it was almost like a no. Yeah, it's like, no, like, no, you're yeah. not going. Like, yeah. you can't go because of the, think about the World Championships and you'll thank us in the long run. But remember, I was cry, I was just crying my eyes out. Yeah. For days and days, I was so gutted. But now I see, I, I see, I, kn I knew it was right at the time, but I was just so, so gutted at the time. So let's. Well, how do you think it felt from our perspective to have to tell you that? Well, I know, yeah. So I just, just, you, you probably want to move on again. You want to move on, and I keep taking us back. So can, can I just tell you about quickly, because we've spoken about it? There's two things. Our experience of the Commonwealth Games, because this is a running theme for us, right? And then we must talk about the magic moment photograph on the P-bars where Danny Purvis got a Scotland score for his thing. <laughs> wait, <laughs> till, wait till he's on the podcast. Know, yeah. so, um, I'll argue that. So can you imagine how it feels as parents with your with your sister when you're going to compete in the all-round final and we've only got two tickets? And how hard it was to get the two tickets in the first place. So so this, from a parent's perspective, you know, and it... In, in gymnastics, all the way through, we are always guaranteed tickets. We will get tickets for world, you know, Europeans, Worlds, Olympics. Yeah, Olympics tickets. We'll talk about them at some point. That'll take me two hours. Right. <laughs> um, you always guarantee tickets. You have to pay for them, right? 
fair enough. That, that shocks a lot of people when I tell them that. To me, that's fair enough. So, you know, I, I go from, fair, well, maybe, yeah, maybe anyway. it's not. I don't want to cause any controversy, but we, yes, we should get them for free. <laughs> um, but, we, you know, we are, we are trying to source tickets. So we're, we're in this place where we, we feel you're now a, comp- a very big name in gymnastics in the Commonwealth Games. You're competing with 15,000 people. We've got to get a ticket. We have to buy them, and we're only guaranteed two, but the arena's sold out. So either me or mum or your sister has to miss out or we've got to beg, borrow and steal trying to source a ticket, which arguably, you know, one of the things, Sally has been amazing at that throughout your whole career. Um, and to a, day, to a day before, one of us wasn't going to watch your all-round final at the Commonwealth Games. So as a family, so we, you know, you're in the, the village and do whatever. So yeah. as a family, the feelings that we have, you know that you're describing when you're on that floor of of kind of it's the wrong language, but anxiety, pressure, you know, fed all of these things because we're not going to see you compete. Yeah, we we have that, and the the Olympic story, getting Olympic tickets was just. Um, I think a we farce. should. I'm going to say start, a farce. We should start a, a petition to try and for the for the Olympic. Well, organisation to try and like group together tickets that guarantee I, I get it like two I don't think you can stretch more than two obviously you need three sometimes you want four sometimes well, you want well, ten you, but no, to no, get no, at no, least sorry. for my parents for every and they'll argue that people will watch this and say well we do do that but yeah. it always seems to be a challenge don't they with well, tickets yeah, so there's, I don't know Rio there's 700 athletes right arguably it won't be the right ratio 1400 parents if it's all two to one who all got the same facing the same situation? I know I don't know in different sports if there are different things, but when you competed in the all round final in Rio, we sat with the Americans, which is amazing because there's all that bravado stuff. And you know, the American guys got me pumped up. Yeah, and then yeah, when they saw yeah. when when they knew we were your parents, they were cheering for you as well. Yeah, it's such a good vibe. They're all of the American parents, all of them. Flights were paid for, the hotels were paid for, the tickets were paid for, all together. And when we told them our story about queuing for four hours, thinking we were going to miss the start of the Olympics, they couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. American accent? No, I'm not going to. Go on. So, um, but that's one story. Just the magic. The Let's talk. There's so much to talk about the Commonwealth Games. Let's just talk about the P-bars. Tell me about the P-bars final. Because that's got the magic moment picture. Yeah. I don't know if we can flash <coughs> we'll be, that yeah, up yeah, we'll ping up the pic- We'll ping up the picture. That's that magic moment where that that was to me now that was your coming out not not in a funny way not you are heterosexual aren't you but like you were like that's yeah. the ma- that was that magic moment that just yeah. put now wilson on the map for you for, yeah for but it, not just as a gymnast but as my per- my personality yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. my passion and my um, the thing about me is every athlete's different i bring life to the competition because of the way i and it's not st- it's not stage. It's just me. Like I didn't say. I didn't think in my head. I'm gonna do this after I do this routine. It's yeah. just in within me, and it, the emotions just releasing. But yeah, I absolutely again under pressure in the final nailed my P bar routine. Like absolute nailed it. And I'm gonna say it. I should have won gold. <laughs> I think Danny would, Danny would be sat there, and he he would agree with me. But you know, I, well, Has he I don't, agreed with you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It is what it is. A win's a win. It, you know, yeah. I just, I've been in positions in my in my gym, in gymnastics where I've won gold and I believe I shouldn't have. Okay. So like, it's like we we'll go back to the judging point. 
it's opinions of people and it doesn't matter how they feel on that day. And it, well, anyway, can, just let, forget on, that. You can get six people that watch something, go like that, and one will say, I'm giving it 13, and another one will say, I'm giving it 15. Uh, well, do I don't want to go into the, into the rules, but yeah, there is controversy in, in judging in gymnastics. I stuck the landing, erupted... Saw you in the crowd. There's that picture in the way we you in. We'll Me ping that one up. to wear that stupid two man there's, there's a video and an incredible moment. I then went on to win the high bar. Yeah, fifteen wow. minutes later. So yeah, what a, what a special event and what who um, was it was commentating it on BBC. The guy who sadly Mitch Fenner. Mitch yeah, Fenner. Mitch Fenner. I, met, I met Mitch Fenner in Hunt, uh, when you were uh, no the Utrecht. Uh, yeah, Utrecht. What a lovely, but he was a yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely man. Yeah. And he says, Rest he says, peace. he's going to add to his medals here. Go on, boy. Yeah. That's what he said, <laughs> didn't he? Oh, it's so good. What an amazing event. Reminiscing. Right, that was the Commonwealth Games. Very short insights to the Commonwealth Games. What did you do after that? Anything interesting? Uh, oh, World Championships, China. World Championships, that went well. China was a different planet. I think it's cool getting to travel the world with gymnastics. That is one of the things that when you say, when you say what's the best thing about your sport... To be able to travel around the whole world, meet new people all the time. Um, I mean, granted, you only really get to see the inside of a hotel and the inside of a gym. Um, but when it's the long trips, you get to experience things. The culture over there is so different. Performed again. That This is a cool story. So the gymnasts all of this. So I made the high bar final. And bear in mind, it's the last, the last event of the competition. So everyone's finished. They're packing all the kit away in the back gym. And it's just, we're warming up. So it's just me and the top eight high bar guys. So in the eight, world? In the world at that at that time. There's eight gymnasts, eight coaches. Now there was, within the, the amongst these gymnasts, you have Kohi Uchimura. Not bad. Epke Zonderland. He's pretty good. Um, Cheng Long. Yeah, he's not bad, not bad. <laughs> you just had... An unbelievable final. You're 18. You David Belyavsky. Yeah, so I'm I'm Niall Wilson. uh Wilson just making his making his debut. And I remember the te- you could cut the tension with a knife. Like there were no music on in the back gym. It was silent. And all these coaches and the um the, the weird thing was, so you people a lot of people know this. You, you can change the tension of the high bar. So you decide how stiff or flexible you want the bar right. and you can you can change and they've got a gauge so it Everyone seemed like yeah it seemed like right. every single person had a completely different tension so every time someone comes off the bar the coaches are straight in loosening the, the cables or tightening the cables measuring it and stuff and i'm i'm there with barry baz he's going to be on the podcast and uchimura gets up and you this will mean nothing to you and he he winds up and does casino coleman connected so I've never, none of, no, no, none of the world's ever seen him do this. So I just looked at him and I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Then Zonderland gets up and at that point he were doing three in a row. So I'm here, I'm, <laughs> just got my GB, I'm chopping up, just do, me, just do me nice little warm up. I always did a Kovac and a catch him. Uh, just stuck to the plan. And I just remember marching out thinking... What am I doing here? And there was that other moment as well when I was watching when I just about I was about to warm up. They had the t- they had a television in the back gym just like that one, and the P bar final was on, and I had a, such a surreal experience because for eighteen well for sixteen seventeen years I've I've sat at home 
know, 17 years. You know what I mean? Yeah, watching yeah. this competition. And I was sat on a mat watching it and it just felt normal. And then I had to like pinch myself and or remind what? myself that actually I'm in the back gym about to go out and do it. And it was such a crazy experience for me. I remember I remember the year before, I was thinking back to the year before when I was just with Joanna in, in the living room watching it. We used to do that every single year, watching World Championship. So I was is about that, to go out. what you were thinking? What am I doing here versus I deserve to be here, I've earned it, I'm going to smash it. <clears throat> what are you thinking? What am I doing here? <sighs> it's not a criticism. No, I know, I know what you mean. Um, part of me, yeah. Not not like, not what, what am I doing? I don't deserve to be here. Just like, wow, this is crazy. The enormity They're of just it, like, right, yeah. oh my gosh, what is going on? Yeah. Type thing. But I, in the, the same thing in my head, I was very positive. My self-talk was good. Yeah. I was just going to go up and do the routine. And um, I smashed the routine. They were, I were in, so you don't get a warm-up in a, in a final. And I was something like sixth or seventh up. So I went into the back gym again to just have another touch. And you just hear this um, massive roar of the crowd. And Cheng Long was first up, but he was the Chinese gymnast. So you can imagine the yeah, yeah. thing. Anyway, he was doing an amazing routine and his handguard snapped. So he was going to do a, a Markov or something and it ripped off. So all the crowd were going mental and he snapped his guard and he had to go change his guard. So then part of me then thinks, well, he's made a mistake and he were a definite medal. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it just starts to creep in my mind now thinking... Sure. What if I win a medal? Processes out. <laughs> yeah, you start just, writing your speech. We don't always you? say that. Us to, we always yes. say about process, not results. So focusing on the process, and I've always had the best performances when it's just about even go to the to the extent of not even looking at the scores, trying to just go one routine at a time and worry about all that other stuff later. But like, it's difficult in the moment to not let them creep in. So I'm thinking, right, Cheng Long's pung off. That's what medals out. I qualified in fourth. <laughs> Ooh, was a chance, anyway, I came fourth, and uh, it was an amazing well, I mean, routine. As well, if if people actually review the footage, I don't know if it's on YouTube. Without that step on landing, you'd have got. Well, yeah, it's always if what if. Well, but other people say without, without, without the, the results, the result, and it yeah, yeah. came fourth in the world at eighteen. Done the Commonwealth yeah. Games, won two golds, a silver, and a bronze. I mean, yeah, the, that year, what year was that? Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen, too bad, was it? Brilliant, yeah. And How then was your um, the end to the year? Wasn't so great. No, so but yeah, how, you know, your mental state. How was your mental state coming out of all of that? Because um, I was junior Europeans were a bit of a challenge, weren't they? Yeah, I felt a lot of pressure going into that because I was expected to win. So it was quite nice for me jumping into senior ranks because I liked kind of being the underdog. Yeah, and then having the performance that I had it was like, wow, this kid's here and he's not just here; he's competing. I look I, at the time thinking back, I loved it. I just took it in my stride. It wasn't like. But you don't, I wasn't, also, I just performed and performed yeah. and performed. You put in your book, though, it's in your book about the first Junior Europeans when you had that relationship with eating that was a bit of a struggle. But that for that year, mentally, you were in control, everything was good, you were strong, you were... Yeah. But then, and then we had that thing at the end of the year. Yeah, so at, in China, at the Worlds, I was having severe wrist pain, like excruciating wrist pain. I was having anaesthetic injections before competing to numb the pain. Um, long story short, I tore my cartilage off the bone and had surgery to repair it at the, in November of 2014. So kind of going from the whirlwind, the year of my life on top of the world to then a huge 
a huge dip and a and a obviously my first surgery, so an experience that was to now positively impact my life because of overcoming what I overcome. But at the time, I was just lost again and struggled a lot. I think, yeah. Um, and I, and I, I guess I want to with what's going on with me recently. I want to give some value in terms of and, and talk and touch upon a lot about mental health because uh, you know mm. what I've been going through at the minute. You know, I want to go into detail about it and, and tell some stories, but I've not been okay, um, particularly mentally. And the, the neck was kind of the main trigger for me and what's gone in my life. But I guess all of it, the YouTube, the, the businesses, the enormity of, of what I was going through when your mental health's not in check, it was it was a challenging time because uh, that feels like a pressure and a weight on my shoulders. Um, and I guess I don't know. Do you want to talk about? We can we can stay we can touch upon the gymnastics, but I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the YouTube and. Yeah, well, I could, was it fifth, was it after the Commonwealth fifteen? You were already filming, weren't you? Yeah, so you, you I picked already, up a camera when I was yeah. eleven years old. You know, it was about making sh- um, show reels, montages. Of my gymnastics, yes, in the 11, 12, Do you, see, do you remember that first video we did for um, Asda? It was probably still on your YouTube. You know the Asda one, and John Wilkie edited it because we we didn't know what we were doing. And when he was doing the edits and the, the filming, a bloke was putting up gutters for him outside. You can hear all hammering on video, <laughs> all the hammering on video as he's as he's editing the. Well, it's changed. It's changed a lot oh, it's since a bit then. Better now. It's a little <laughs> So I want to talk about the content the YouTube journey, touch a little bit into the business. And I, not a lot of people know, I picked up a camera when I was 11 years old. You've seen the whole thing. Yeah. The, the first five really? years, the first five years was about just showcasing my gymnastics. And I was the kind of one that started off. Do you remember the whole montage thing? Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. make my little montage, I'd pick my favourite song and clip it all together on my own, on my, on my um, Windows Movie Maker. And then it kind of seemed everyone then, made montages didn't they yeah. he, he kind of got Sam Oldham coming out uh, Max Whitlock made a couple of montages and then from, from across the world so I feel like this whole changing the game thing and, and setting off trends it's been gone throughout and I, I think everyone will agree with me I, I was the first one to make a gymnastics montage and it was mainly just me on my garden trampoline I'm sure I can ping up some footage and then I started vlogging the road to Rio when I was 19, we were about a year out when I when I started to try and take this a little bit more seriously. I had a vision, a long-term vision, but at the time I just had no idea what I was doing. I was very bad at it. I was poor at it. Everyone was kind of looking at me thinking, what on earth is he doing? Like the videos are cringy. Well, uh, arguably as well, the support network wasn't great because it was me and mum and Joanna and we didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, didn't like know what I was doing. Like, I remember a lot of the lads, because uh, I'd, I'd take my GoPro in the gym and just talk to it. Yeah. And it was just like looking at him thinking, what on earth is he doing? What's he lost doing the there? Yeah, he's probably lost the plot. Um, but I had a long-term vision. Fast forward to today, we've got 1.2 million subscribers. Um, an incredible fan base, the Wilsonators engaged. We've got businesses. We've got, you know, an incredible... Uh, Neil and Nile, 167,000. Neil and Nile vlog, 167,000 subscribers. Hundreds and hundreds of videos that pushed gymnastics content to the boundaries, that changed the game, that inspire th- hundreds of thousands of people, and that is content like no other out there. So that's the vision I had, and, and it was kind of 
back then it was me just stepping out my comfort zone and that's a real good lesson or takeaway point is you know even if it doesn't seem right or you haven't got the support of your family or you th- or people think it's strange if it's what you believe in if it's what you love to do be willing to push yourself to step outside of the comfort zone because I didn't feel comfortable when I was talking to the GoPro or editing it thinking this is cringy but I knew I believed in it and and look at it today and I think that's that's an amazing journey but let's it's talk it's about belief and dreams isn't it yeah belief exactly desire, what you would say goal desire belief which was on you had the desire you had the belief you had a goal did you have any goals around numbers of followers or anything like that or was it just about content um it was yeah there was I mean but but it went from getting my first thousand right right yeah and I got the thousand then it was like well let's get five oh, yeah and let's get ten and it, it took me we'll talk a little bit about ad revenue as well it took me took me two and a half two years from starting vlogging properly fully to get ten thousand subscribers two years well previous to that it took me about six years to get one thousand but I wasn't actively going for yeah. it. Two years to get ten thousand. It took me two years to earn uh, two hundred pounds in ad revenue. I think it was, um, and yeah, I just kept going. I kept innovating. I kept to try. Initially, it was about helping gymnasts become better gymnasts and teaching them and giving them insight as to my training. And then very quickly, I spotted when the, the content started to innovate was. Not everyone likes gymnastics. Not everyone follows gymnastics. Not everyone wants to watch gymnastics. But everyone on this planet can be entertained, can be, can laugh, can smile. So we, me and you as well, we went on the, again this quest to create content that was going to distract people from their day and give them 10 minutes of fun, of laughter, of jokes, of comedy, of humour, of inspiration. But then also my advantage was that I was an Olympic gymnast. So I could do things with my body that no one's seen before and that's not been put out on the internet. So it was amazing to watch, but at the same time entertaining. And it took a long time to get to that point, but there I feel like we're there. We're like no other channel. We're probably the only Olympian professional athlete that's that's doing this alongside. And bear in mind, up until very recently, it was all me. You know that. Mm. It was all me. Mm. Filming, editing, uploading everything those daily vlogs destroyed you uh, well yeah i mean what, what i mean destroyed is <clears throat> nicola my, edit, well, nicola my editor is here now um we work as a team now and it's obviously helping yeah. me a lot but like i say I, I did stints of daily vlogging didn't i, I did yeah. a couple of weeks and it was just like didn't eat didn't eat i was up at six i had to but i'd committed so I'm like the, one of the type of person, if I say I'm going to do something and if I say, tell you I'm going to do something, I tell the audience I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to freaking do it, do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, now we've got a bit better team around us and and it, it's just exciting, but I want to move this, lead this on to, you know, it looks incredible. People, kids dream of having a million subscribers, the dream of being famous. You know, I, I at 22 years old, I, I earned money that I couldn't even comprehend earning you know, previous to that, that I didn't know what to do with. Um, success, success, success. Now, this was a huge part, I think, for my mental health challenges, and I want to kind of wrap it up and talk for the next 10 minutes a little bit about that because we've had a, a rough time recently. And I think I, 
So I'm going to come out and say I have difficulties and ongoing difficulties with anxiety, um, unfulfillment, feeling lost. You know, the, the main one is is anxiety, and and I think straight off the bat the the attention that I was getting. So I was always the person, the content that I created was the person with the answers. I was the the person that kids, the adults, that everyone looked looked to for inspiration. If they were going through a tif- tough time, Niall had the positivity, the energy. You know, my message was all about you can choose your attitude. It's a choice. Mm. So the positive self-talk, we're going to smash it. We're going to work hard. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was an inspiration. All of a sudden, I wasn't. I, I didn't have the answers. And I got myself to a place that was so suffocating that I couldn't, a little bit of positive self-talk, just just couldn't get it, get me out of this. I felt lonely, I felt lost, I felt with the whole attention. And it, it just, it put a, an extra times 10 pressure on my head with what I was going through with the neck. And I think the neck was the main thing. I'd gone from being one of the fittest athletes on the planet to having spinal surgery, which it's almost it was almost like going back to being a baby. Isn't it uh, just? I don't want to interrupt you when you're in full flow, but it, it wasn't there a sequence of events as well that also included your finger just before the World Championships? That sequence, yeah. Or, or do you just I, specifically put it down to the neck? I think no. Th- there was a sequence of events, and it's always the case. A lot of people, you know, when you sometimes you feel stressed and you you'll lose it, you'll you'll scream at Sally. Getting Rio tickets. <laughs> yeah, like you. Well, people relate to this. You fully lose your, your shit, you lose it. And you'll initially think, God, what's happened today that's really got me in this place? Yeah, yeah. When you, that's not the case. No it way. will have been a series of events that have built up over time. So that was the case for me. I think the neck, the neck was the tipping point you read in the book. Yeah, it was like the opposite of the Commonwealth Games. That was the tipping point. But you're right, I missed out in the European Championships yeah. after the Commonwealth Games because of my neck. Then right three days before we fly into Worlds, I snapped my finger, snapped ligaments in my finger, decided not to go. Um, so all all that time, I'm not... My but identity is being the successful gymnast and I love performing. I love it. So I'd have all that yeah, period of time. I, as well, though, um, just food for thought, your whole mental state and the challenges that you have that I am living and supporting with you are not just about gymnastics. No, they? no. They're about relationships as well, yeah. health. You know, all your well-being issues are not just 100% yeah. about gymnastics, are they? No, no. So, I mean, I guess um, what I do want to touch upon, when when you're in that, um, the way I was feeling, you know, if, if anyone outside of this is experiencing anxiety, depression, you tend to, or what, certainly what I did, tend to behave a certain way that didn't align with my values. You know, I was doing things that wasn't me. You know those things. Yeah. We don't need to go into detail and... Got them written down. <laughs> and um, essentially, that was making me worse. It was it was a quick fix or it was, you know, it helped me in the moment, but long term. And I, and I think people certainly relate to that. What I've now, because so sitting here today, we're recording the first podcast. I think I've had around four weeks completely off social media and I made actively, that was part of my, my re- recovery mentally for this. I knew that, like I've just explained, I was suffocated by the pressure of everything and trying to be this person with, with the answers when I didn't have them. So I've had four weeks off trying to find myself, doing a lot of mindfulness meditation, 
and I, and I've, I finally got myself, to, you know, got my health in check. I've been sleeping better. Um, all of these things, I finally got myself into a place where I'm sat here recording a podcast, wanting to talk about it. We're ready to start vlogging again. The gymnastics is going really well. So I think a takeaway <clears throat> is can you, you know, the, the little wins, you know, if, if you, because I've been there, you feel so stuck and lost that you just want to curl up into a ball in, in your bedroom and just not, you know, there were, there were, there were weeks where I didn't want to get out of bed, whether yeah, I, I, yeah. I woke up with anxiety and it was, I can't <laughs> face this. I had feared getting out of bed. But if you can make yourself have the little wins, i.e., go to the gym for, go for a walk, go to the gym for an hour, you know, have a healthy breakfast. Decide, you know what, I'm not going to stay up till three o'clock in the morning playing games or watching films. I'm going to have a good night's sleep. Those in time, you know, and try and remove some of the behaviours that are maybe not so good for you. Um, those in time build momentum and kind of snowball into a position where the light is at the end of the tunnel and then you feel happy again. And like I said, it wasn't just the gymnastics. It was the all the businesses, the, the, the YouTube, the attention my relationships, um, a lot of them were very challenging, and even including us, won't we? Mm, you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. been so hard for you as a... Well, you, you might want to touch upon it for five minutes about... Well, I just... I, I think the, the way that I think about this, right, and I, again, I, this is just Neil Wilson's opinion of the world, so people that have a challenge... And it is a real... <coughs> it's a real issue that is a recognised issue, and people that have things like depression, they, they're... They go and see a doctor, and what the doctor does is, because of the feelings that they have, feelings are chemicals, we know mm -hmm. that, right? All that's out there on the internet for people to see. They, they, they support by giving false chemicals. The tablets give false chemicals. So that's what they do. As a, and I'll explain why I've said that. As, from a parent's perspective, and I said this to you in a conversation we had, from a parent's perspective, you just want to put a plaster on it, don't you? When you used to fall over as a lad and you cut your knee, I'd kiss it better and put a plaster on. I'd say, is that all right now? And you'd go, yeah, that's great, Dad. I'm f let's carry on playing football. Yeah. And be because of... Or doing gymnastics. Or doing gymnastics. <laughs> or cricket, when you want to do it. Well, we'll yeah, talk about yeah. that another time. Um, so from a parent's perspective, you just want to fix it. You just want, want to be right. You try to come up with the answers yeah. for your chil you know, for your children. You you try to live it with you. You try, you know, the, a natural thing to do is to, to say to your, your children... You should do this. Well, it's a very easy statement to make, but without understanding exactly what's going on inside, because you, the feelings and chemicals that you are producing are n not normal. They're not aligned to the normal Niall Wilson we see. So we we generally think he's not he's different. What's wrong? How do we fix it? Yeah, yeah. And by trying to fix it, we me made it worse. Yeah, arguably, you know, and I and. That is some that is something that I am I am currently live, living with in terms of my own my own challenges with this relationship and how you're feeling and I've got I got anxiety I have anxiety feelings you just sometimes you don't recognise them you suppress them yeah. we come from a different generation it's not a criticism of the generation or my parents or my family it's like you know because as as you step down in generations it goes from you'll be all right sort yourself out yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pull yourself together pull yourself together, together. Pull yourself together. And then, and then as it's changed, people are saying, well, actually, no, we need to recognise there are challenges. We need to recognise. So mental health, and it's been, there's been other athletes, hasn't there, with mental health challenges. And I think I, yeah, I The thing that's impressed that. me the most, just before you start, is the way you've dealt with it and the way you're talking about it now. 
because I, I think the worst case scenario for me as a parent would be if you chose not to talk to me and not to tell me things. Yeah, yeah. And I think on that, it, it one thing speaking, and I, and I think me telling a story, 2019, the, the, the enormity of mental health and how many people are getting behind it, I feel now, I know that speaking throughout this whole process has got me to where I am today and I will continue to do that to speak to people I trust, speak to people like you. And not, not always they're going to understand, but mm. if you can find someone that just has no judgment, you can tell them anything, tell them how you're feeling, and just for them to listen, that in itself is a win, and you feel instantly better. So if people, again, are sat at home thinking, I can't, I can't, this is inside, you know, just speak. Ring someone. Like, ring anyone. Like, that is the thing. It's the people, the people around you, the other thing. The wins are just being surrounded by positive like-minded people they will bring you up they will bring you out of this they will help you people love people and it's not even just your family like i love everyone watching this i want to now put it on myself to raise the awareness of mental health to talk about it a lot more to inspire people to do the things that i'm saying to to be inspired by my story and hopefully we can go more into detail in the podcast but then another thing you touched upon athletes so I've been trying to figure this out as well because you you hear so many stories and it's particularly the biggest people, the likes of Tiger Woods is a good example. Some of the old footballers, Freddie Flintoff, you know, it, it, there is so many common mental health issues and addiction if, issues in athletes, in professional athletes. And I think what I've, what I've pinned it down to... Are, not pin it down to what I think makes a huge impact on this is what we do for a living every single day. So I was thinking about it yesterday when I was when I was going for a walk. I do a sport every day that produces chemicals that you're talking about, like dopamine, like adrenaline, adrenaline every single day. Mm. You know, like when I when I you know, when I'm about to do a handspring double pipe front first tumble on floor that has to have my full attention, my heart is pumping, I'm experiencing something that not many people get to do every single day. So you, you're you on this journey and, and you've got a buzz all the time, you then have success, you go to competitions, you experience winning an Olympic medal, 15,000 people screaming your name, you experience numbers, views, money, cash. When you then break your neck, and have spinal surgery, that's like, I just, I'm just sat here. Taking the adrenaline away. It's, it's all gone, yeah. you know, it's just all removed. And then also, you, you're always naturally going to plateau, but it's, it's, it's difficult. Naturally, you're going to plateau, but it's also difficult when you go on a huge surge upwards to come down, you know, mentally and physically. But I think that, that whole thing is somewhat to be said our lives day in day out produce so many chemicals in the body that the same thing the things that make us feel good do so essentially when you've not got that you try search for it you try look for it and and do different things and i think that's maybe why athletes are more susceptible they're not more susceptible that everyone has their own demons their own story and i think um yeah it's, it's been great 
to be able to share this today on the first podcast. I just go back to so on. I think we're going to wrap up now, aren't we? But yeah. just the, the um, in an aeroplane, the oxygen mask come down. Yeah, I want to see what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the perfect analogy for me. I can't remember who told me. I think it was Finnegan. Michael Finnegan. Michael Finnegan we're told me who we're going to have on the podcast. He's, he's a, our mentor. Um, what did they say when you run out of oxygen in the plane or it's well, going there's down? There's an emergency and they, and they drop the masks. What do they say? Put your, yeah. put your own on before the person next to you. Before helping others. Before helping others put theirs on. And I think that is what I've neglected recently is putting my own oxygen mask on, yeah. helping me, finding me, being happy in myself. And I think regardless of all this, what we're talking about, my number one goal right now today is just to wake up happy awesome. and feel amazing every awesome. single day. Awesome. So yeah, that was an absolute beauty. Right. So how do we close these things then? <laughs> See you later, everybody. <laughs> you don't know Make right. sure you're are subscribing. We, uh, we're going to do We are one. available <laughs> on iTunes. Obviously, they've got the visuals if you're watching on YouTube um, and we're very very excited to be on this podcast journey I'm sure I've really enjoyed today have you I've really enjoyed the hour and I've got I could do another two three four hours because there's so much more to talk about now which I assume we're going to do because people 100%. might what's the next and I think story? I assume that the first one's going to get a lot, of, a lot of attention if, you, if you're still listening now we love you um, guests we want them you know get in touch people get in touch yeah. Bring up these suggestions. Who would you like to be sat next to me and dad? Everyone that comes is going to sign our board. Everyone's going to come that sign our board. We, Neil and I have both signed it. And if you want to sponsor us, that would be incredible as well. Give us a shout. And a big thanks to Kieran and Nicola today who are sat in the yeah, background. Yeah, thank you so much. They are lovely, lovely people. Right. This is a machine in that could run a Robbie Williams concert. No one has any idea how to work it. <laughs> right, Bye. see you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye.